Hello, friends. It's the last day of the month of November, November 30th. This is the One-Year Bible Tour Guide, and I am your host, David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts. If you have been with us since January 1st, well done. Thank you for accompanying me this far. If not, you can jump on board at any time and be most welcome. But we encourage you to experience the benefit of our daily excursions, making our way through the Bible, reading consistently, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. This podcast includes an informative commentary that highlights discoveries you won't want to skim over or miss. We also offer a free written copy in a daily email, which you can receive in your inbox each day by subscribing at our website, newlife.org. If you have the One Year Bible or the One Year Bible Reading Plan, which is available at the oneyearbibleonline.org, you can follow along with our readings. And you can always find the corresponding episode to each date on our One Year Bible Tour Guide pages on Podbean, Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. If you miss an episode, you can always catch up by picking up where you left off. There is no command in the Bible that says, Thou shalt read all 1,189 chapters with the 1,334 verses in 365 days. However, there is a great reward in reading the whole Bible and getting the big picture. Tomorrow, we will be starting our final month of the year and we'll be going down the home stretch before we start our journey once again on January 1st. Today, we are in the book of Daniel, chapter 7. Daniel has been used of God to interpret important dreams of world leaders. Now Daniel is interpreting his own dream. Not only will Daniel interpret the dream, but centuries later, Jesus of Nazareth will speak of himself as being the fulfillment of this dream, this prophecy. In Mark chapter 14, verse 61, the high priest was questioning him, that is Jesus, and saying to him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the Blessed One? And Jesus said, I am. And you shall see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming with the clouds of heaven. He was identifying himself with the prophecy given in the chapter we will read today, Daniel chapter 7. Today in the New Testament, we start the first epistle of John, the epistle of eternal life, a powerful letter written to give the true believer assurance of salvation. So as you read it, you can ask yourself, is my faith anchored in the reality John is writing about? fellowship with the eternal Son of God, the Word of Life. We are also in the midst of reading the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm 119, which celebrates the power of God's Word. So let's get started on today's outing by reading the Old Testament passage from the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter 7. Daniel's Vision of the Four Beasts, Daniel chapter 7. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel saw a dream and visions of his head as he lay in his bed. Then he wrote down the dream and told the sum of the matter. Daniel declared, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea, and four great beasts came up out of the sea, different from one another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. Then as I looked, its wings were plucked off and it was lifted up from the ground and made to stand on two feet like a man, and the mind of a man was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second one, like a bear. It was raised up on one side. It had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth, and it was told, Arise, devour much flesh. 
After this I looked, and behold, another, like a leopard, with four wings of a bird on its back. And the beast had four heads, and dominion was given to it. After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, terrifying and dreadful, and exceedingly strong. It had great iron teeth. It devoured and broken pieces, and stamped what was left with its feet. It was different from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another horn, a little one, before which three of the first horns were plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. The Ancient of Days Reigns As I looked, thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days took a seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand thousands served him, and ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment, and the books were opened. I looked then, because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking. And as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed and given over to be burned with fire. As for the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. The Son of Man is given dominion. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days, and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Daniel's Vision Interpreted As for me, Daniel, my spirit within me was anxious, and the visions of my head alarmed me. I approached one of those who stood there and asked him the truth concerning all this. So he told me and made known to me the interpretation of the things. These four great beasts are four kings who shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, forever and ever. Then I desired to know the truth about the fourth beast, which was different from all the rest, exceedingly terrifying, with its teeth of iron and claws of bronze, and which devoured and broken pieces and stamped what was left with its feet, and about the ten horns that were on its head, and the other horn that came up and before which three of them fell, the horn that had eyes and a mouth that spoke great things, and that seemed greater than its companions. As I looked, this horn made war with the saints and prevailed over them until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given for the saints of the Most High, and the time came when the saints possessed the kingdom. Thus he said, As for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it to pieces. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings shall arise, and another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones, and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and shall think to change the times and the law, and they shall be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. But the court shall sit in judgment, 
and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end. And the kingdom and the dominion and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High. His kingdom shall be an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Here is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my thoughts greatly alarmed me, and my color changed, but I kept the matter in my heart. And this concludes our reading from the Old Testament from the book of Daniel, the seventh chapter. Now let's take a few moments to reflect. Chapter 7 marks the halfway point in the book of Daniel. The first six chapters of the book of Daniel are mostly narrative, with some predictive prophecy. The last six chapters are mostly predictive prophecy, with a little bit of narrative. Chapter 7 gives us an overview of world history. God who declares the end from the beginning and from ancient times things which have not been done gives us an overview of history leading up to the second coming of Christ. Isaiah chapter 46 verses 9 through 10. Chronologically, chapter 7 takes place between chapters 4 and 5. Chapter 4 dealt with the humbling of Nebuchadnezzar and chapter 5 recorded the end of the Babylonian Empire. Daniel is in his 80s and his days are spent in reading, rest, meditation, and prayer. One night, during the first year of Belshazzar's reign, Daniel had a dream and wrote it down. Daniel's dream in chapter 7 can be contrasted with Nebuchadnezzar's dream in chapter 2. Both pictured the future and the dominance of world powers during the age of the Gentiles. See Luke chapter 21 verse 24. Both dreams envisioned the four world powers, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed of a large human image, well-proportioned and godlike. The substance varied, yet the image was one whole human figure. The heathen king Nebuchadnezzar saw that the image had a golden head representing Babylon, a silver chest and arms representing the Medo-Persian Empire, a bronze midsection representing Greece, and legs of iron representing Rome with feet mixed of clay and iron representing the last age. Nebuchadnezzar saw one image that was splendid and admirable. All this would be destroyed by a stone from heaven cut from a mountain by no human hand, in Daniel chapter 2, verse 34. And the stone would become a mountain. The kingdom of this world shall become the kingdom of our God and of his Christ. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, and Daniel chapter 2, verse 35. Daniel saw the four kingdoms from God's perspective. They were not one, nor were they glorious, splendid, or admirable in appearance as the image in Nebuchadnezzar's dream. They were dangerous beasts, each one different from the other. Daniel pictured the kingdoms of men as God saw them. He sees the end result of human rule as a manifestation of the spirit of Antichrist. The final beast is the final feature of the age of the Gentiles and their world dominance. He is the Antichrist. Whereas Nebuchadnezzar saw the kingdoms in sequence, each kingdom succeeding the other, Daniel saw all of the kingdoms together, the way God sees the passing of time, declaring the end from the beginning, in Isaiah chapter 46, verse 10. The first beast was like a lion with eagle wings that gets plucked off, leaving it standing on two feet like a man and thinking like a man with the mind of a man. The second animal looked like a bear with its paws raised, ready to strike. Its carnivorous nature is evident by the three ribs clenched in its teeth. 
Daniel overhears a voice saying to it, Get up, devour many people. The third animal looks like a leopard, but on its back it had wings. It also had four heads. It is given great power over all mankind. The fourth beast is hideous beyond description and incredibly strong. Whereas the fourth section of the human image seen by Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2 had iron legs and part iron feet, Daniel's fourth beast in the dream has huge iron teeth that tears apart its victims. It is the most brutal of the four and easily crushes its victims with its feet. This beast has ten horns. The ten-horned beast reminds us of the dragon with ten horns in Revelation chapter 12 verse 3 the beast that emerges from the sea with ten horns in Revelation chapter 13, and the woman sitting on a scarlet beast full of blasphemous names with seven heads and ten horns. While I was contemplating the horns, behold, another horn, a little one, came up among them, and three of the first horns were pulled out by the roots before it, and behold, this horn possessed eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth uttering great boasts. Daniel chapter 7 verse 8. The horns represent governmental powers. Apparently, there will be a final power play and a shifting of governments in the future as the small horn appears among the other horns on the fourth beast. Three of the first horns are yanked out, reducing the number of the original ten horns to seven, leaving room for the small horn, the eighth, to grow among the seven. This little horn had a man's eyes and a bragging mouth. The climax of the chapter and the climax of human history is the revelation of the kingdom of God in Daniel chapter 7 verse 9. We have a picture of the Son of Man, the Lamb of God, coming before the Ancient of Days, just as we see in the book of Revelation chapters 4 and 5. This is the coronation of the Messiah as the anointed priest, king, prophet, and judge. This is the climax of history. We read about this also in Psalms 2, 45, 72, and 110. The prophets foretell of the Christ, the one to whom the kingdom is given. The government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of his peace. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. And he will reign forever. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15, and Luke chapter 1, verse 33. In Nebuchadnezzar's dream, in chapter 2, verses 31 through 35, a stone cut from a mountain, not made from human hands, would come from above and topple the kingdom of this world, the age of the Gentiles, destroying the statue of the man. In Daniel's dream, in Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14, we see God the Father, the Ancient of Days, crowning His Son, who arrives upon the clouds from heaven, now granted the ruling power over all the nations. And to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all the peoples, nations, and men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. Daniel chapter 7, verse 14. This is the fulfillment of God's promise of a Savior, the Son of God having become the Son of Man, the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the son of David, the promised seed of a woman, that is Mary. Daniel is shown in his dream a picture of the Christ event from heaven's point of view. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. 1 John 3, verse 8. In the dream, 
Daniel is confused and asks one of the worshippers around the throne of God for an interpretation. These great beasts, which are four in number, are four kings who will arise from the earth, but the saints of the highest one will receive the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever for all ages to come. Daniel chapter 7, verses 17 and 18. This is quite a concise summary of human history. Daniel has many questions about the fourth beast. The messenger at the throne answers his questions and interprets what Daniel is seeing. Thus he said, The fourth beast will be a fourth kingdom on the earth, which will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth and tread it down and crush it. As for the ten horns, out of this kingdom ten kings will arise, and another will arise after them, and he will be different from the previous ones and will subdue three kings. He will speak out against the Most High and wear down the saints of the Highest One, and he will intend to make alterations in times and in law, and they will be given into his hand for a time, times, and half a time. Daniel chapter 7 verses 23 through 25. There are those who would say that these prophecies are predicting Antiochus Epiphanes or Titus of Rome and events that already happened. Those who take this view are called preterists. The term preterism comes from the Latin word praetor, meaning past. These prophecies have multiple fulfillments, as there are various manifestations of the Antichrist throughout history. Because we believe in the full inspiration and veracity of Scripture, it follows to believe that these prophecies have not yet been fulfilled if the fourth beast is to devour and dominate the whole earth. The expression time, times, and a half time is an expression for three and a half years. All of this corroborates with the testimony given to the Apostle John in the book of Revelation regarding the duration of events in one half of the Great Tribulation period. Revelation chapter 11 verse 2 verse 3 chapter 12 verse 6 and verse 14 chapter 13 verse 5 and Daniel chapter 9 verse 27 and chapter 12 verse 12. The glorious triumph of the Son of Man is pictured in verse 26 and 27. But the court will sit for judgment, and his dominion will be taken away, annihilated, and destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, the dominion, and the greatness of all the kingdoms under the whole heaven will be given to the peoples of the saints of the Highest One. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the dominions will serve and obey him. This chapter is about our future. This kingdom is one that Jesus offers to those who believe on him and are given a new nature that eagerly submits to his rule. Romans chapter 14, verse 17. And in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, we read, Therefore, since we receive a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us show gratitude, by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. What a powerful dream! It is no wonder that Daniel awoke shaken. In Daniel chapter 7, verse 15, he told no one of the dream, but he made a point of writing it down. Aren't we glad that he did? Now let's go on to our next stop, which is to begin the first epistle of the Apostle John. 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 through 10, or as my friends in Britain say, 1 John chapter 1. The Word of Life That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, 
the life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from Him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar, and His word is not in us. And this concludes our reading from the New Testament, John's first epistle. John's first epistle is sometimes called the Epistle of Eternal Life or the Epistle of the Holy Spirit. Certainly, the Holy Spirit is disclosing how a person can have eternal life and live in a moment-by-moment experience of the power of that life. It is believed that John wrote this letter between 85 and 90 A.D. from Ephesus before John's exile on the island of Patmos in the 90s. Now that most of the first generation of Christians have died, John is confronting a growing problem in the churches at the end of the first century. John is the last surviving of the original twelve apostles. Jerusalem and its temple had been destroyed in 70 A.D. Christians had been scattered throughout the Roman Empire. The early church had survived several severe waves of persecution. The problem that was arising at this time is one that is similar to a problem we face today, decreasing commitment to Christ. People were compromising their faith and adopting the values of this present world, giving in to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. A false teacher named Serinthus was deceiving people about the nature of Jesus. He was a Gnostic who denied the humanity of Jesus because it was thought the body was evil and therefore not important. His form of Gnosticism made allowances for sins of the flesh because the body was of no consequence. John writes to correct these false teachings. He rebukes these false teachers, whom he says are motivated by a false spirit. We are to test every spirit, meaning test every teacher, by the word of God. John is the apostle of the absolute. He speaks of the absolute holiness of God. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. He is truth. In him there is no falsehood. John makes his point clearly. Jesus is fully God and fully man. The Word became flesh and yet remained the Word. Notice the absolute clarity of chapter 1. John claims to be a first-hand witness to the person of Jesus. Jesus had a real body. John knew that as he lived with Jesus. In seeing Jesus and touching Jesus, both before and after his death and resurrection, he knew that he was dealing with God incarnate, the Word of life. That life was with the Father from the beginning and was manifested to us that we might believe and have fellowship with Him. John says that his joy is made full when his readers come to understand the gospel. He knows that our apprehension of this reality is in itself a work of the Holy Spirit. In verse 4, 
John clarifies the gospel message. Light cannot accommodate darkness. It can only dispel it. You cannot soil the light. Light is absolute truth to the mind, holiness to the conscience, and wisdom for the will. The perfect righteousness of God, given to us as a free gift, causes peace and true joy to reign in the heart. The gospel message tells us the truth about ourselves. We have sin in verses 8 and 10. It is impossible to have fellowship with God without having the problem of our sin dealt with according to God's righteousness in verse 6. We can have forgiveness and fellowship with a holy God only because of Jesus. We need Jesus because we have sin. God judges sin because He is holy and righteous. God can forgive sin only if His perfect justice that demands payment for sin is satisfied. Jesus shed His blood to absorb the debt incurred by our sin. God will forgive all sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness when we agree with what He says about sin and what He has done to pay for our sins. In verse 9, When we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, identifying ourselves with Him, His death becomes our death. His payment for sin satisfies God's justice on our behalf. Therefore, His blood has cleansed us. Just as Jesus rose from the dead to die no more, so in Him we rise to a new life of fellowship with Him that is eternal. Hallelujah. Now let's move on to our next stop in our Bible reading tour, the book of Psalms, where we continue to read and complete Psalm 119. Remember that this is an acrostic psalm with each group of eight verses beginning with the successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So we're starting with the Hebrew letter Resh. Verse 153. Look on my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Plead my cause and redeem me. Give me life according to your promise. Salvation is far from the wicked, for they do not seek your statutes. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Give me life according to your rules. Many are my persecutors and my adversaries, but I do not swerve from your testimonies. I look at the faithless with disgust, because they do not keep your commands. Consider how I love your precepts. Give me life according to your steadfast love. The sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous rules endures forever. And the next group of eight begin with the Hebrew letter Sin and Shin. Verse 161. Princes persecute me without cause, but my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word like one who finds great spoil. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day I praise you for your righteous rules. Great peace have those who love your law. Nothing can make them stumble. I hope for your salvation, O Lord, and I do your commandments. My soul keeps your testimonies. I love them exceedingly. I keep your precepts and testimonies, for all my ways are before you. And the next eight verses begin with the Hebrew letter Ta. Let my cry come before you, O Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea come before you. Deliver me according to your word. My lips will pour forth praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue will sing of your word, for all your commandments are right. Let your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, O Lord, and your law is my delight. Let my soul live and praise you, and let your rules help me. 
I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. And this concludes our reading of Psalm 119. And this was the final reading from this wonderful psalm. I trust that it has helped to increase your affections for the Word of God. We have witnessed in this psalm the many benefits of its life-transforming ministry. We finish with three groups, eight verses each. The first letter of verses 153 to 160 begin with the Hebrew letter Resh. There is a wonderful rhythm as you read these verses. They have a setup and punchline. Sometimes the setup is a prayer. The punchline is often a statement of fact or accepted responsibility. First a prayer. Look upon my affliction and deliver me. Then a statement of responsibility. For I do not forget your law. Verse 153. Next comes a prayer. Plead my cause and redeem me. Followed by a statement of fact. You have promised to give me life. Verse 154. Or... The reverse order. Statement of fact. Great is your mercy, O Lord. Followed by a prayer. Give me life according to your rules. Verse 156. The second section of verses, verses 161 through 168, all begin with the Hebrew letter Shin. In verse 162, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great spoil. What about you? Do you rejoice in the discovery of God's word? Psalm 119, verse 163. I hate and despise falsehood, but I love your law. Do you? Seven times a day I praise you because of your righteous ordinances. In verse 164, do you? Or in verse 165, those who love your law have great peace, and nothing causes them to stumble. Do you have great peace? Has the word kept you from stumbling today? This section is a helpful tool for our regular spiritual health checkup. How is it with your soul? Each verse of the final section of 8 begin with the Hebrew letter Ta. The powerful benefits of God's Word are evident in each verse. The Word gives us understanding in verse 169, deliverance in verse 170, education in verse 171, a song that rejoices in righteousness in verse 172, a helping hand in verse 173, delight to my heart in verse 174, personal assistance in verse 175, and restoration to the right path in verse 176. And now for our final stop in our Bible reading tour today, we go to the book of Proverbs, chapter 28, verses 23 and 24. Whoever rebukes a man will afterward find more favor than he who flatters with his tongue. Whoever robs his father or his mother and says that is no transgression is a companion to a man who destroys. These proverbs highlight the importance of speaking the truth in love, even if we find confrontation difficult. Pretending or flattering gets you nowhere. Beware of self-deception. Familiarity breeds contempt. Don't take advantage of loved ones. It is robbery. You may think it all belongs in the family, but be careful to observe if your heart is veering onto the path of the destroyer and serving his agenda. Now let's pray in the light of what we have learned. Father, today we see Jesus, high and lifted up, seated at your right hand. We eagerly await being able to participate in a covenant meal with him in your eternal kingdom. We fix our eyes on him, remembering all that he endured in order to win our place at the table. You are of purer eyes than those that can behold sin. 
we thank you for legally putting away our sin and providing for our justification. We are grateful for the peace that we have with you, with our own consciences, and with our brothers and sisters. Help us to pursue peace with all people as much as it is possible. In Jesus' name, amen. We've had a good look through the telescope of prophecy into the future in the book of Daniel and also great assurance for the present with the words of the epistle of eternal life. And personally, I'm very excited about reading on in the book of Daniel and in 1 John. I think of the words of the hymn, Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Blessings all mine with 10,000 beside. If you would like to receive a written copy of our commentary on each day's portion, you can subscribe at our website, newlife.org. And if you'd like to contact us with any question or comment that you might have, you can write us at podcast at newlife.org. So until next time, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Shalom. Shalom.